Smart Council is a production of New Pattern Counseling, with additional support from Multnomah University. To learn how to support this podcast, visit patreon.com slash smartcouncil. Reese Basimio is a counselor, teacher, and writer, and the founder of New Pattern Counseling in Gresham, Oregon. His clinical specialties are addictions, gender, sexuality, and spirituality. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Smart Council. Panic and peace, chaos and shalom. Smart Council provides perspectives and resources on spirituality, mental health, addictions, relationships, and trauma. I'm Reese Pesimio, and very excited to share an episode with you today. Uh, first off, though, I just want to give a few quick shout-outs to some unsung heroes going on today, uh, those being the uh, delivery drivers for Amazon and FedEx, uh, also the pharmacists, those folks who are on the front lines of interacting with people, getting us the things we need, and in some cases maybe putting themselves at risk of germs and other viral contaminations and faithfully working to, in some sense, hold the fabric of our society together. Thank you for all that you do. Today, I'm excited to present a conversation with Aaron Esparza, a good friend and a good colleague. Aaron Esparza has an undergraduate in communication studies and biblical studies. He also studied at Portland State University, where he earned a graduate certificate in applied conflict resolution and has further specialized training in mediation. He worked with mentors and mediators in Portland, Oregon, before moving to Hawaii to work with foster kids in 2017. For the last three years, he has worked as an outreach worker, helping foster kids and biological parents find solutions to be together again, or sometimes not. He's also been known to write songs on the guitar and the piano. He's a great friend and a brilliant uh, at whatever he does. And uh, on this particular day, I finally caught up with him. We'd been talking about podcasting for a while. So uh, I caught him on, on Zoom and we just got so caught up and excited in the conversation that we didn't get to formally introduce him at that moment. So I've done it now. Uh, all that to say, here's our conversation and I it's definitely been a whirlwind i mean um here i am on the big island of hawaii uh was today today is the the 20th of march and uh, we have one confirmed case here and uh, we've gone from being casual and chill to now um, almost mimicking the things from the mainland um you know restaurants are shutting down people are losing jobs um I was doing what I can to coordinate volunteer responses to deliver foods to kids on extended spring break um, who rely on school lunches to the elderly who are going to be in isolation soon um, to deliver to them. So um, for me in the midst of this panic is, is um, you got to think rationally. Um, you cannot spend too much time in the, the present or the past. Um, I, I like to define, um, not, not clinical depression, but depressed states um, is, is when you um, live too much in the past negatively and states of anxiety is living too much in the future in a negative state. And so when we're not balanced and we're not present, um, these things happen. And what a great time when we're constantly being flooded by the news of what's going on. And, and I'll talk to my friend who's a nurse in Seattle right now, what she's doing with the coronavirus and 
working in the hospitals um, to uh, friends in Tacoma who are saying that the police chiefs are telling them, hey, um, if there's a call, um, we're told to stand down. So you guys, you know, good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, I mean, and you have Vegas, who, which is completely shut down and has curfews, and they're pretty close to martial law. Um, you know, and and I'm I'm optimistic. Where on one hand, I uh, had a job interview today on the phone for a facilitator position um, to help broker agreements between the state of Hawaii with foster families and the biological parents and creating solutions for uh, the foster kids. Yeah, so, it's really exciting. I mean, there, you're yeah. right. There's just there's so much weirdness uh, over here on this end um, as we're all like collectively heaving our way toward, like we've talked about, the state of panic. I've been wondering a little bit about you over there, though. I mean, hmm. uh, you know, tiny island, kind of a self-imposed quarantine. Uh, I wonder how how do you feel like it's different over there uh, oh. in power well, over there. I was talking to another a nurse, and she's like. Yeah, if the if Hawaii gets it, I mean, the hospitals aren't even ready to to handle the regular flu. If there's a big if there's a big problem, we have to ship them to Oahu. Um, but for here, if if we get something like coronavirus, like people are gonna die. It's gonna look like Italy. It's people are gonna not know what to do with with uh, with dead bodies. Um, we don't have infrastructures for that. Um, yeah. We're gonna see bodies being piled up in in lava fields. I mean. Right. It'll get it'll get nasty, and that's why even yesterday those protesters at the airport being like, "Hey, Hawaii's closed. No more, no more tourists." Because what we happened like even yesterday, two days ago, tourists are still coming in, getting packed at the beach. They're probably trying to just get away from the mainland. And be like, "Oh, good thing there's no coronavirus in Hawaii, so they're coming here." <laughs> Guess yeah, what? Wants to escape. Now we have cases of corona from out-of-state visitors because they bring it. So if you're thinking of coming to Hawaii, um, unless you're an essential worker, you're here to help, please stay home. Right. Wait um, a year. That's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, but when you talk about it that way, you know, here here in the mainland, I mean, it feels high stakes here as we're all like, hey, Seattle's closing down. The Bay Area is closing down. Like, everybody stay in your homes. And for us, that feels different. But the way you talk about it, it sounds like the stakes are a lot more absolute. Like, you know, nobody there can go anywhere and there it's extremely closed. And so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, we were talking about this idea of, you know, finding, finding peace, finding calm and yeah. in super high stakes where there's, yeah, potentially these really unavoidable, you know, devastations coming up and we're kind of all aware of them, kind of all powerless around them. Um, what do you feel like is like realistic for a person who's wanting to say, you know, I just want to, I just want to calm myself down or I just want to, yeah. you know, find some inner, inner stillness. Inner stillness. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with that right now. I just got a text from a friend in Seattle. She goes, um, she goes, my, uh, she nannies and she goes, my boss just got tested positive for coronavirus. And I think my sister has it now. So she might be getting it if she was living with the family. Um, and so she's kind of freaking out. Um, and I'm just like, well, <laughs> you know, and, and it really is, you, you got to think calm, you got to think collectively, but there's just so much unknowns that you have to do what you can. And again, for me to find the pieces, like you got to think about all the options. Like I like to use choice theory, like, okay, what choices can I choose right now? 
um, okay, if I get it, you know, this is what I can do. If I don't get it, this is what I can do to help. This is what I can do to quarantine or self-quarantine. Um, this is how I can help my neighbors. Um, but yeah, I'm good. I think in the next couple of days, we're going to see a lot of things happen and we're going to have more answers, but those answers might give us more unknowns. Um, I mean, I'm at a point where like, Hey, I just built a tiny house here in Hawaii. Um, I might keep it instead of sell it and put it on some land down South and get some solar, get some water, live, learn to live off grid for a while. Right. If that's what needs to happen. But at the same time, I'm also preparing, like I had a job interview today, so I'm preparing for more professional work. Yeah. Um, so I have both situations figured out. That feels like a really great balance way to approach it is, you know, responsibly recognizing, Hey, this is heightened and there's some danger and it would be good to plan plan to take care of yourself, but also recognizing there's also a way, I mean, this could blow over quickly or soon, or at some point it will be over and life will pick up afterwards and being able to plan for the long term as well. The other thing I hear you talking about is staying really active and um, not just in like the, like the physical sense, although I feel like that's, that's a really essential thing too. I'm hearing about a lot of yeah. people who are just like in their homes, like on their screens all of the time, devouring news. Yes. I'm like, ah, get away from the screens, get away from the news. It's, it's just obsessive there. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, but I love the way that you talk about like being active with your life. Like you go out and you care for people or you, you engage with people or you, you work to mobilize people. Yeah. I mean, this whole week, I've barely had any time to watch any TV shows or why not. I mean, even just a week ago, I was on the phone calls for eight hours, just calling um, or different organizations, different churches to be like, how can we mobilize? How can we be prepared and respond? Um, and so even just networking to be like, we can follow CDC guidelines, go in groups of tens, but also help. Like you can have one driver um, get in a vehicle, go to a restaurant, another person put food in the van and then deliver it to people who are isolated. And if you had a system set up, you can really reduce the panics. Um, like little things like that, you don't have to rely on the government to do it. You just need um, some willing hands. Like even there was a news article yesterday where only six people made 600 care packages for, for elderly people and was distributing them out to the neighborhoods. And all you had to do was call. And so like little pockets like that, like we can stay active. And I think the worst thing to do is, oh yeah, if you're sick, stay home, you know, but um, if you know that you've been, that you're pretty healthy for now, you can help set up a system, even digitally, even remotely call who you can to set up the systems in place. Um, if you need any ideas, give me a call <laughs> or email. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll get your contact before, before the interior. But, yeah. Stay active. Yeah. And, that, and yeah, stay active and, and stay connected, which I mean, there, I mean, I could say a lot about like online connections versus in-person connections. I mean, I've always preferred in-person connections, you know, and thankful that we can connect online. I mean, you and me are connecting online right now, but, right. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, in as much as you, you are healthy or have neighbors or have family members, you know, even if you only have the access to the people in your own home, I would say, yeah, I mean, staying connected and engaged in other people's lives, making eye contact, and, you know, much better than dissociating into a screen too. Um, mm. Yeah. Let's see, yeah. This idea too of, of what we do with resources too. I mean, like Lord bless those six people, you know, and I'm, you know, 
no no intent no judgment intended but i'm thinking about those people compared to you know the people who are like courting toilet paper and everything uh, right you know it would be i think much better for our sanity and mental health to adopt a spirit of generosity and caring and <clears throat> saying okay what can we have in common what can we right what can we share with each other right and and just even thinking about peace you know and uh, the hebrew word shalom means you know disrupting the powers of chaos Ooh. and and in when i was in grad school we talked about two concepts of peace was negative peace and positive peace and the negative peace is simply getting a rid of the chaos it's the shalom and right now the that the shalom for peace would be getting rid of the panic getting rid of the those that's those states and minds of, of all these interferences in our life. So if you really wanted to be like, how do I get inner peace? Like you start step one is negative peace, negate it. And then step two is the positive peace. Okay. Once your garden is clear of the weeds, now start planting the seeds. Now start planting the, the plants that can grow. And it's going to be a constant influx of the both. And I think for that in this time, if you view our lives as a garden, we're going to be having these weeds grow up. You might get coronavirus, you know, these different things that happen. You, you might be out of toilet paper. Okay, so start planting um, the things that would really make it positive. Find new ways to wipe your butt, <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, in the different cultures, like in the Philippines, they don't, they never really have toilet paper anyways. So <laughs> true. They, learn, they learn to use, yeah, different means, like a little, bucket of water and or a bar of soap and um we have to be very multicultural right now and learn from each other i think so there and there's a there's a lot of humility that that goes into that obviously you know and being able to to respect other people's experiences and value what they can offer and you know hopefully there, there'd be some empathy that goes with that too um but, but i really appreciate that idea of of a perspective shift and it's maybe something like this idea of acceptance you know you sometimes hear about that in, in some recovery cultures this idea of well I'll reference the serenity prayer, you know, you know, change what I can, accept what I cannot and wisdom to know the difference. And, you know, this idea there, you know, death exists, suffering exists, we can't escape them. And maybe in a way they're more normative than super insulated, insulated pleasure. And I don't know, I think that, you know, peace and freedom kind of go, go together. Like if we have this idea of it's okay for me to experience some suffering, it's okay for me to experience some discomfort and some fear. And, and if I'm not really afraid of that, then I'm really free and free to move, free to connect and, and also be responsible and prudent and, you know, care for others in that way too. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. You know, that goes back into what we can and cannot do. And I think, I think the importance of this time right now, like, and even when I'm, when I'm conducting um, mediation services or facilitation, like whatever the conflict is, um, it really is coming together to to work towards that agreement. Um, and so, uh, like, even in my current job, I work as an outreach worker uh, for the state, and I help um, I help supervise visits between uh, the the biological kids and their biological parents who are in the foster system. And and a big part of my job is also sitting one on one with the the biological parents who are stuck in the midst of crisis. Um, you know, you talk about the window where, um, you have things that are urgent and important or urgent and not important or, um, those four variations. And I think a lot of people live in crisis. So everything is urgent, but even if it's not important and when you live in crisis, that's kind of how you handle. And so, 
um, I spend a lot of time talking with the parents and try to find that semblance of peace. And now here I am in a, a world that might be <laughs> feeling the same way, like whether I'm dealing with interpersonal conflicts with myself, interpersonal one-on-one or systemic conflicts. Um, it's all the same concept of, of dismantling those powers of chaos and then planting the new systems that do work. Yeah. In a situation like this, so, um, for me, some of this comes down to uh, some of this comes down to the like the everyday practices that we do because you know something like oh I can be peaceful in a time of crisis you know you're not going to be able to just spontaneously be a peaceful person it's ideally something you would have cultivated but anyway but by starting now mm-hmm. for people who want to begin to cultivate more peace instead of chaos what would you say are some daily practices people can do to either reduce chaos in their internal worlds external worlds and or practices to bring about more more of a peace. The, the, there's a scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God. And whatever that situation is, you know, how you want to apply it is, and I think the first step is being still. Um, when we're, we're functioning day to day and we're, we're always moving and planning, like we don't have time to really assess the situation. Um, but I also know that if you're too still too long, you get stagnant. <laughs> and you don't want to do that either. So stagnant water grows bacteria. Stagnant waters is not drinkable. You got to be. We do not like bacteria. No, no, we don't. <laughs> especially in this this day and age. Um, and so we have to find that balance. It's it's like a radical middle in a sense where we need that white space in our schedule. I I talk about that with scheduling. Like, look at your day. How much white space do you have? And like, what's white space? It's the in between your appointments or your plans. Like right now, I have white space, which caused this uh, meeting to happen. And after this, I'll have some more white space where I'll get to lay down and strategize. I think the daily practices, at least that I do, is, is in the mornings, you want to be, be still. Um, you know, if that means glorifying your snooze button where you can actually celebrate, at least if you're going to hit the snooze button in the morning, at least be active. Be like, I choose to hit this. Um, because if you start every morning hitting the snooze button, being like, I don't want to wake up, you're already starting your thoughts in a negative space. You're already starting your day with a no. Right. And that's, that, that gets things going. But if you go, if I'm going to be, if I want to sleep in, at least choose to do it. Um, like I set my alarm five minutes earlier than I wanted knowing that I'm going to snooze it. And I go, great. I'm going to enjoy this five minutes of laying here, half awake, half asleep. And then I'm going to get up. And that's or, what I plan to do. Yeah. Or like on the other end, if you, if you know you're going to hit the snooze three times, just set your alarm for like, 20 minutes later and you know, allow yourself the <laughs> yeah. proper, proper amount of sleep. Yeah. And, you know, and again, it's about, it's about, um, are you empowering yourself to, to make those choices, whatever it is. And rather than feeling shame, like, Oh, I always hit the snooze. Like, well, be active about it. If you know, you got to do it and predict it. Like uh, the three processes of change is first you identify, then you predict and then you change. And that's just the basic scientific method. And we can apply that in anything in our life, in any conflict. And if we can't identify it, we don't know what's wrong. Well, then how can we predict it? And being able to identify that means probably being able to slow down, check in with yourself, probably mm-hmm. some manner of mindfulness, body scan, breathing, you know, silent prayer, something. Yeah. Checking in with a trusted friend. Yeah, there's... um. You know, that's, that reminds me of the, the concepts of there's fast thinking and there's slow thinking. Yeah. And when we function in these different states, 
thinking about what we think about is very important too. And if we don't, then again, we can't predict it. And so I'm constantly working in fast thinking modes when there's the crisis. But in these times, slow thinking helps us prepare prepare for those fast thinking moments. And, and all of these little things help me not have anxiety and not have um, too much depression. <laughs> yeah, the slow thinking or our clinical jargon term is, you know, metacognition is, you know, being mm-hmm. able to step outside your thought river, reference to the ACT therapists and think about how you're thinking, um, mm-hmm. which you're right, it takes time and it takes focus and mental energy. But it's a it's a good investment of the mental energy because you know once you slow down and observe what is you have more control over it i'm feeling mm-hmm. like too there's a way that you know we're, we're talking about you know heightened a very heightened situation right now it's very different for everyone and a lot of people are being called upon to you know take protective measures and there's this idea i think that sometimes we're just going to get pushed beyond our limits and sometimes we're not going to have any white space and sometimes that's that's okay because I mean it's our job and we have responsibilities and there's people to care for. What I would push for then is wherever you extend effort and maybe overextend, just be really sure you have a way to replenish afterwards and something restorative, recentering, which could again, I mean, it could look like essentially the same things. Make sure you allow yourself the proper amount of sleep, proper amount of of water, or connection time you know probably not so much the screen time again making space for that this is a i mean yeah we have a midst of maybe a pandemic um but this is a perfect time to reset and to reevaluate the the choices that you do make um i mean think for a minute like what if you know worst case scenario what if netflix shuts down and then we're stuck without any screens and we have to connect with each other in order to live and grow as a community and survive um even just thinking of worst case scenarios to best case scenarios, um, being proactive is a great time, like of being alive. This is living, like life and death happens. Like even in the the, um, the Hindu culture, like the God of Shiva, like it's, it's a part of, uh, you know, living and dying, like of destruction is just a part of life. You know, they have so many f- natural floods that could happen over in India or different things. And they're like, well, that's just part of life. And here we are, our Western culture is being all shook up. And like, oh no, we have, we, we, we need basic needs and foods. And here we are fighting over toilet paper. Yet before a couple months ago, we're discriminating against the immigrant or the person fleeing chaos in order to get a better life. Um, and we're getting a taste of, oh wow, we are human and we're all going to do this. Except we might feel a little bit more entitled on the West side being like, I need that toilet paper and we're going to start hoarding like the worst of us and the best of us comes out in these times. So you choose what do you want to have happen? Do you want the best of your to come out or the worst of yourself to come out? I'm choosing the best. <laughs> I would like to choose the best. I am going to actively strive for that. And I know my, my worst side is not too far away. So it, it takes a lot of, a lot of vigilance and probably some good accountability and when this is all said and over and I can go back to church I'm going to go right to confession so because I'm not going to do it all right all of the time yeah and I mean it's a very interesting dynamic even now like my parents in in Washington state they're like oh we were going to an underground church now but then they got shut down because hey no large gatherings and I was part of a house church in Portland for four years where we just met in each other's homes and we, we stay connected that way. And we change locations and whatever is your form of worship. Like even now, like I don't view 
like as a Christian, like I don't view church as the 501c nonprofit, like, but for some reason it turned into that. Um, I think the, the body, the humanity of who we are is about being connected with each other and functioning and nothing can take that away. Um, so if we're isolated at home, like church never changed for me here. I am with each other. Like this is church right now. Like it's two or more people are gathered. Um, but how we go from here. And it's actually interesting. Like I'm trying to spur on YOM, the, the youth with the nation's campus, which is a, a ministry here that does a lot of mission work, but all their planes got grounded and they can't go fly to the other countries right now. So they're going, what do we do? And I go what help the islands. Right? <laughs> you got 80 people here and a hundred thousand dollar budget, go help the island. But they're letting fear hit them. This is my personal opinion. They're letting fear and they're, they're like, well, we're just going to worship and pray and do nothing. And I'm like, okay, how about you worship and pray while you're feeding the elderly? How about you worship and pray while you're feeding the orphan? Um, you have the means to do it. <laughs> so for sure. Yeah. So I've been, that's what I've been busy doing this week instead of watching Netflix. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. This sounds like a very uh, ideal time to be out, out helping and maybe not the best mm-hmm. time for Netflix. Um, because I mean, you're right. I mean, what happens when the whole country tries to get on Netflix all at the same time? Like, can the internet really handle that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the theory of flushing toilets at the same time and cause a nuclear meltdown. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that idea of um, really, really looking at, you know, where, where are you right now? And maybe you're grounded from missions. Maybe you're stuck at home. Maybe you're now like the last lone office worker or something. And, you know, mm-hmm. everything's different. And, and we all have to adapt and to adjust. And um, I love, Aaron, the way that you're talking about looking outward to, to care for people and to to become a shepherd, to become a healer, to become a presence of a beacon of hope. Um, mm. And on the other end of that too, I also recognize for those people who for some legitimate reasons are not able to leave and, and are more isolated, there becomes mm. the other end to explore, which is solitude and intentional solitude. And, um, you know, we, we referenced our, our, our faith traditions and things. I feel like having a spiritual practice for, for those who, who understand that or who appreciate that is really essential because, you know, there are really big things going on that are out of our control. So connecting yeah. to something bigger than us to connecting to even like a cause or a value or, you know, mm. recognizing like the overarching, you know, flow of history, something, something. Um, but coming, coming back to your, to your spiritual center, whatever gives you hope, whatever grounds you, and having having a method, having a ritual for consistently coming back to that, I feel mm. like that would also be really essential in finding that shalom. And you know, the more peace you find inside, the more you disrupt the chaos around you. Mm. Yeah, you're you're. That's the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Sometimes, where the peacemaker is actually going forth and doing something, they're like the conflict firefighters running into the burning building of of people's hearts. And one of the things that I loved about study mediation and maybe you can pipe in more about what the difference between counseling and mediation is like especially in this time like a mediator comes in in the middle media you know um the middle ground to to bring the the two conflicts together and create a bridge i i might not care about you know your childhood growing up and all these things because we only have a certain amount of time and that's what makes mediation interesting it's like it's quick it's a negotiation like we don't have time for 10 sessions or 20 sessions or eight months of therapy like 
okay, we have one hour, maybe that's might be all we have. Can every session create um, a pathway towards a better solution or at least a step towards that um, and then sign that agreement and that it involves some integrity and safety. The, the mediator can't bring their biases in. Like I'll always have a bias. I'll always be, have my own personal opinions and I can't say that I'm neutral because we're not, no human is neutral. Mm-hmm. And I think we're lying to ourselves, but I can come in and say, I'm impartial to the outcome. I'm going to give you your choices and then you guys decide on what you want to do. And as a mediator, like I'll, I'll ask both parties, like what's your highest hope in this situation? Mm. And from there, that place of hope. And usually more often than not, if it's like, let's say it's a, uh, um, a married couple who's going through a divorce and they have a kid, I go, I know you might disagree on your spousal um, interactions or whether you want to be together or not, but I'm sure you both can agree that you want the best for your kids, right? Yeah. And usually they'll say yes. And they'll sure. say, okay, let's, let's work from that common ground. Let's work from there. Yeah. And do work. Yeah. I love this idea of like impartiality towards the outcome. And that feels really applicable to like the whole, you know, virus situation too, to be impartial to the outcome, kind of recognizing, Hey, something was, something is going to happen. We don't know what it is. We may not like it, but, but in the meantime, what's in the best interest of everyone along the way. And. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, if you have, if you have partiality to something like, oh, it must be this way, we got to go. And then what if it doesn't happen? That's the, that's the definition of a disappointment. Not saying that we should keep our standards like low, like, well, I'll just never expect anything ever again. Um, I think the difference between no expectations and impartiality is, is that type of investment. I think impartiality implies being aware of every outcome that you can of course, and, and go from there. And I think like, I can, I can have inner peace going, you know what, I could die tomorrow. I'm impartial to the outcome. (laughs) I don't want to, right. But I'm going to be impartial. And I'm going to live each day in peace knowing that. And I think there's a certain peace, at least in my, in my faith, and, and maybe yours is like, death isn't the final end. And there is a certain amount of peace to that. But at the same time, I can live each day alive, and share with everybody around me life and not take it for granted at all. And, and yeah, I, I love video games and Netflix. Like, like, uh, I wouldn't say the average, I would say even more, but (laughs) to put it aside and be like this, we only have so much time left. I could have another 80 years or 70 of my life left, or I could have seven days, but to live each day like your last, I know that's so cliche, but there is a, a sense of peace in that yeah a little bit of a cliche but i mean cliches become cliches because they they get used a lot because there there is something true in them and yeah having having a sense for your end and living in light of that that is really really constructive and you know when we need to organize our lives around something that is not a bad thing to organize around aaron thank you so much for taking some time to to hash out some ideas i'm very encouraged by you and your life and all that you're doing. If a listener wanted to get a hold of you to talk about mediation or peacemaking, peacekeeping, or relief efforts, uh, what are some good ways to, to contact you? Uh, text my personal cell phone number at this point. I all don't right. care. Give it a call. Uh, 808-494-0249. All right. You heard it, <laughs> folks. Aaron Esparza on the Big Island? Yep. Big Island, Kona side. Um, again, we've been working with uh, the principals of school districts to even state level 
um, to hopefully mobilize something. So we'll see what happens. It's, it changes day by day. All right, we will see. All right, thanks All right. Listener, for following along and let's keep the conversation going. We love your feedback and invite you to share your thoughts about this conversation. Also, we'd appreciate your review and five-star rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Share your thoughts through email at smartcouncilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash smartcouncilpodcast. Please consider supporting this podcast with a financial donation through patreon.com slash smartcouncil. Our theme music is by Trent Price. Our logo design is by Thomas Moore. Thanks again for listening, and let's keep the conversation going. Music